0: Our passage today comes from the Gospel of Luke, and it it is to do with the birth of John the Baptist. Now, the passage starts from verse uh, 67, or well, a bit earlier really, 57, and continues to verse 80, that's Luke chapter 1. But what I'm going to do is just going to break that down, the passage, and put bits on the data projector for you. So hopefully you can see it there. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby... She gave birth to a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment he wrote, his name is John. Immediately Zechariah's mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbours were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea People were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. I tend to think that uh, the birth of a child always produces joy in us. And when we uh, see a young child uh, in the church... Yeah, we just rejoice in that. New life. We love new life. And uh, people like to have a bit of a look and to make a few comments about whether he looks like mum or dad or somebody else. And there must be something God puts in us, this, this thing about enjoying the birth of a child, this exciting moment when a new child is brought into the world. I think there's also joy for the mother when she uh, maybe enjoys her pregnancy, but in the end, she's just looking forward to uh, the baby being born and to get back to a normal size. I'm sure there's joy in that. For me, there's always been joy in the fact that when uh, Marianne has given birth to a child, that she's okay and the baby's okay and... And that just gives me a sense of relief. So for some people, they get a huge amount of joy at seeing a new, a new child. For me, it was always a, I'm glad everyone's okay. That's how it was for me. I'm not typical. That's just how it was for me. Sometimes we get joy in just thinking about the future. We look at a child and we think, what sort of personality will that child have? What kind of humour? What characteristics? What gifts? What abilities? What abilities? And we just sort of play with those thoughts. Now, for Elizabeth, the wife of Zachariah, the cousin of Mary, the birth of her son was even more extraordinary. As we know from reading uh, through Luke, if you've been here over the last few weeks, we know that Elizabeth was well beyond childbearing age. And we also know that Zechariah was a Levite, a priest, and we know that he went to the temple and there the angel Gabriel confronted him and told him that he would have a son. And Zechariah, an old man, said, how can that be? Because I am an old man and my wife's an old woman, well beyond childbearing age. And he doubted the word of the Lord and he was struck dumb he had a vision from heaven and he was struck dumb and he remained dumb while mary was uh, while elizabeth was getting pregnant through the whole pregnancy and even 8 days after the pregnancy he remained dumb perhaps for a year we don't know how long it was before elizabeth did become pregnant but we know it was probably around a year dumb for a year and the people in the village you can just imagine them saying isn't it amazing Elizabeth who can believe Elizabeth going to have a child and and there's Zechariah something amazing happened at the temple I I don't know what I can imagine the rumour mill circulating about what they thought it might be but there he was dumb unable to speak and then Elizabeth gives birth to a child. And we can just imagine it's a whole community event. Everyone's excited for them. It was considered a disgrace in the ancient world for a woman not to have a child. And so we can just imagine the community excitement caused by the events that were happening amongst them. A miracle was taking place. Now, brothers and sisters, uh, you know how you read your Bible lots of times and then you suddenly think, oh, I didn't really realise that, that, that kind of thing. It just struck me, I think for the first time this week, that th- the way this circumcision and naming ceremony went, it, it was quite an amazing thing because the villagers decided on the name of the child. We're going to call him Zachariah. Now, just imagine if we had a baptism today and Martin and Nick are up here and I say to them, let's just have a poll. <laughs> what shall we call this baby boy? Now, I'm sure that they probably would go back down off the stage and say, we might go somewhere else. We, it's just strange in one sense, but the whole village says we're going to name him Zachariah. I hadn't really realised how much involved they were in the whole process. Obviously, Zechariah was the father's name, and it's a good thing to name your children in those days after your parents. That was quite a common occurrence. In fact, for my generation, uh, my whole family is named after grandparents. I'm actually the second one in my family to be called Gerald. My uh, older sister was called Gerald for an hour or two because my father was out in the hallway when the nurses said, you've had a baby boy for my sister. And he went straight on the... Uh, I don't know where you made a telegra- telegram in those days, but he went straight to the telegraph uh, office, probably the post office, and sent a telegram to Holland saying... I've had a baby boy, his name is Gerald, and then having to do that whole thing again two hours later and saying, but now she's called Harriet, <laughs> named after her grandmother. Quite common in previous generations. Nowadays, people tend to pick names that they prefer or like. And so they can't believe that Mary... Uh, sorry, Elizabeth said, no, his name's going to be John. And they said, well, let's go up to Zechariah, bring a chalkboard. What's his name? His name will be John. John means the Lord has shown favour. The name Zechariah is not a bad name either. I just thought I'd look it up. But it means Yahweh has remembered. God has remembered. The Lord has remembered. It's not a bad name either. But his name would be John. John, the Lord, has shown favour. And so the baby was circumcised and named at the same time. Now, uh, Now, just you put that all together, how amazing these events were. The priest that goes off to the temple for his once, perhaps in a lifetime, opportunity to serve there comes back dumb, unable to speak. His wife gets pregnant, a wife well beyond childbearing years. She gets pregnant. The child is born, and against all custom, they call the child John. And the whole village is buzzing, and in fact, the whole hill country, it says, of Judea was buzzing. What kind of child will this be? You know, the Lord's hand is upon this child. And brothers and sisters, there was great joy there, and awe, and fear of God there. They all felt humbled in the presence of God. It's after that that Zechariah's song, Zechariah's psalm, is spoken by Zechariah because suddenly his mouth is released, his tongue is loosened, and he can speak. Again, that just added to the excitement that took place. And this is the song we're now going to look at. And it's called by many Benedictus. Zechariah's song, Benedictus, because it begins with the name, uh, in verse 68, it says, blessed. The word blessed in Latin is benedict, benedictus, blessed. So let me just read it. And we'll have it on the data projector. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. He has dealt mercifully with our fathers and remembered his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham, he has given us the privilege since we have been rescued from the hand of our enemies to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days. Now, what I've done, if you just have a look at the... uh, at the data projector there, I've I've put some verses next to some of the uh, quotes, and you can just see that what a man of God Zachariah was in how he takes up Old Testament quotes and he ma- he just joins them all together for this song. He was a man of God. He he just knew his Old Testament so well. So this Benedictus is divided into two parts. The first part speaks about the works of God. That's what we're looking at now. And as you read it, you can't help but think to yourself, it's all about, it's not about John the Baptist at this stage. It's all about what God is doing for the world, what God is doing for Israel. That's what it's about. It surprises us, really. We would think that he would wax lyrical, if you like. About the birth of his son. But no, he sees that in all these events, something far more amazing was happening. And that God was about to deliver Israel. That he would send his son, a son of David. The fulfillment of Abrahamic promises. Thousands of years earlier. Would all be fulfilled in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has raised up a horn. The word horn, uh, you can think of a rhinoceros or something when a rhino uh, lowers his horn or raises it. It speaks of authority and strength and eventually it became to mean king in Israel. God has raised up a king, an almighty king for his people and he would redeem them. And we know that person to be Jesus. He would be a shepherd for his people. Martin read out for us earlier from Isaiah 9, and we'll just put that on the data projector, verse 6. For to us a child is born, for us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on and forever. And this king would be a shepherd, just from Ezekiel 34. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. It's amazing, really. Like I said, if you get something absolutely tremendous happening in your life, that instead of going straight to what that is, the birth of a child to yourself, you see that God is working in the world in the most amazing way. And that's how Zachariah saw it. His mind just went straight to God and what God was doing. It's only in the second part of Zechariah's Benedictus, his song, that we find a little bit more about John the Baptist, and I'm just going to read that to you now. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation, through the forgiveness of their sins because of our god's merciful compassion the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace i look at uh, john the baptist a bit like the dawn or the dawn before the sun rises you know how it lightens up the sky but the sun hasn't yet come out that's what John the Baptist was. He, he was someone that heralded a new dawn, but he wasn't the dawn himself. He just, just as John the Baptist would come and the Messiah would follow Jesus, in the same way you know, the dawn lights up the sky, but the sun has not yet appeared. And that's what we read here. That's what's being told to us. And when John the Baptist started his ministry, there was a great crowd. We read that at the end. And you can imagine why there's a big crowd there. because maybe 30 years earlier, all these events had taken place and people remembered. They said, that child, there's something special about that child. And so when John the Baptist first started preaching, there must have been a whole lot of people coming to hear him. But when John the Baptist was with his disciples and Jesus walked past one day, he pointed out to his disciples and he said, look the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist's role was to point out the Messiah. For you and I, it's the same thing. I just want to show you... Uh, well, i first read what Don Carson writes. Human beings find their greatest importance in pointing... To Jesus, I just want you, I'm going to bring this up again later on, but human beings find their greatest importance in pointing to Jesus. And then we'll just put on the John the Baptist quote from Matthew, the next one. Matthew writes, Truly I say to you, among those born of women there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. If you are a Christian, you are greater than John the Baptist. And he was the greatest prophet of the Old Testament era before Christ. And you think to yourself, how can that be? And I think mainly it's in the area of knowledge. As you know, John the Baptist prophesied, he he had a remarkable courage. He got offside with Herod, who had divorced his first wife to marry his brother's wife. He pointed that out as not being of the will of God. We know about Salome, the dance, the drunken uh, king, who said to his stepdaughter, "You know, even if it's half of the kingdom, I'll give you whatever you want. Ask." And she talked to her mother. And the mother said, ask for the head of John the Baptist. And so John died before the crucifixion of Jesus. John died before the resurrection of Jesus and the coming of the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist was great. He was courageous. And yet he had less information than we do about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I just want to... Put up that Don Carson quote again, maybe go to the next slide. And I'll put two, I've just changed it a little bit, so if you put on the next one as well. So Don Carson wrote this, human beings find their greatest importance in pointing to Jesus. And I thought I'd modify that to say, human beings find their greatest joy in pointing to Jesus. When you read, we'll just leave that on the screen. That's the last slide, anyway. But when you read the passage dealing with Elizabeth and Zechariah and the birth of John the Baptist, the word joy appears a fair bit. the The, uh, the, the villagers are over very excited, and they shared in the joy of Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're very excited. They were grateful for the birth of John the Baptist, but then their thoughts moved from what they had received to what God was going to do. For us today, I believe that our greatest joy would be not in just the temporary things of life that give us great joy, And Stephen mentioned this last week, you know, the the opening of a present at a birthday or Christmas. There's there's a temporary joy in that, an excitement for sure. But then it tends to fade and we wait for the next big thing. But when it comes to Christmas, our joy can't be in just it's a family time. Our joy just can't be in the fact that we've got some tremendous presents this year or that we've got fantastic holidays to look forward to. Our joy just can't be in, uh, in getting what we want, a new job or better health. Whatever things that create joy in us do, our greatest joy must always be in what God is doing in having sent his son Jesus. So for Zachariah, it was for the coming of Jesus. For us, it is the fact that we look back and it's what God has already done by sending the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the most terrific event in history. One of the problems I find with Christmas is that we are so occupied with getting things organised, buying so many presents. In my family... Uh, all the children like to buy a present for everyone that 's a lot of presents We also have where you pull out a a name out of the hat and you have to buy a present and make a poem for that one person that 's all I ever do. I never buy a present for anyone else there 's my person I get online i 've bought it already It took about five minutes uh, the the poem is going to take longer and I haven't written it yet. But we can be very occupied by getting things organised, the food, all those kinds of things. And in the end, we forget what we're meant to be joyful about. At the moment, I I like using this prayer app that I have on my phone. And uh, it, it... I put most of you on it and uh, so I get an opportunity to pray for you every now and then and I write some things about you, it's all very secret, you don't know my password, don't know what I'm praying about but it also downloads a John Piper Christmas uh, devotion every day which you read and John Piper, if there's any person that likes joy, it's John Piper and uh, and you get that, you know that. And I think that needs to be prioritised in our life, this capturing, if you like, the essence of Christmas so that our hearts are slightly warmed and, in fact, more than warmed, become aflame again with what God has done. Joining in Zechariah's song, having our own Benedictus, not Zechariah's, but your Benedictus, your blessing, blessing God for what he has done for you. In Christ. But this has implications. Because if you're excited about something, you share it. Now I can imagine that if you've just had a baby born, that the whole office or the whole workshop or the whole university, wherever you are, they'd be really excited for you. You go in and say, I had a baby boy. Had a baby girl. I'm so excited. And everyone would join in, right? They'd all, fantastic. Or if, they, if your wife had been unwell or you have been unwell and you get the good news that there's the all clear when it comes to those cancer markers or something and, and you go into the same environment and you say, I've been given the all clear. You can't help but speak about it. And people go, oh, congratulations, as if it was your effort, but congratulations, this is a wonderful thing. There's something far more stupendous though, isn't there? So something so, so much better still is the fact that God has sent his son into the world to remove the wall of hostility between us and God, to grant us peace with him and remove that alienation from God to make us part of his family and we're greater than John the Baptist and that's also meant to be shared with the world, and yet, sadly, we're so reluctant at times to express our joy in the real meaning, if you like, of Christmas. Part of what we've done this year as a session, and some others have been involved in it, is the Vine Project, and, and part of that is this line which is moving people to the right. It's not really... That's just how the book does it. But what it actually means is moving people closer to Jesus. That's what John the Baptist did. (laughs) Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and, and he pointed people to Jesus. And that's what we can do. That's what we should be doing because we're excited about what God has been doing in sending the Lord Jesus Christ. So many blessings to be found in Christ. That's why we, you know, the evangelism planning committee produced the cards that you can put in someone's letterbox and you can even write a note if you like on that, just thinking of you this Christmas or you can put a card in the letterbox of your neighbour, your own card and say, you know, as we remember the birth of our saviour and, and say something personal or, or to actually say, have the courage to invite someone to a service or to speak into the lives of other people, that's what we are called to do. That's what Zechariah did. Something stupendous, something fantastic happened in his own life and yet he just lifted his eyes and he thought about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and what God was doing in the world. Just to put, leave those quotes I just want you to think about it. Human beings find their greatest importance... In pointing to Jesus. Do you think I'm right in saying human beings find their greatest joy in pointing to Jesus? You can let me know at the door if you shake my hand or not. Amen. Amen.